from the Sherpa Chalet at the top of beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's a special episode of Too Many Podcasts. I'm Jim the Podcast Sherpa, and today it's a special episode where I get to speak with people from the entertainment industry. So get yourself an aisle seat, pop up some popcorn, and get a cold drink ready, and sit back. Don't crunch too loud, or else you'll miss the interview from Sherpa Screening Room. Hey Rebels, welcome back to Too Many Podcasts presentation of the Sherpa Screening Room. And this week, I got to talk to Patrick Lascarbo, who's an actor who created a movie called Chance and Circumstance, and is working on the casting and creation of the movie. But I got to sit down with him and hear a lot about his acting career and about his future project. Let's take a listen, but first... Don't forget, today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible, and you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Okay, let's get to the conversation. We are backstage at the Sherpa Chalet, ladies and gentlemen, and I have a wonderful guest here. His name is Patrick Lascarbo. And he is an actor, and he's working on a new movie, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his entire acting experience. And I don't know what tangents we're going to go off on, but I'm just waiting for the ride to begin. <laughs> my ticket, so I'm ready to go. Patrick, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I am doing very well, sir. So you are an actor. That's what they say, yes. Those are, those are, those are words that are used to describe what I do. And when did you first start acting? Uh, when I was nine years old, uh, I, I started and uh, I mean, th- everybody, I think, starts in some kind of like small little community theater. I started in like a church thing. There was a there was this really hot girl. I mean, I was like nine. So, I mean, hot figuratively for for a nine year old. Uh, and she was going out for the role of Mary in the, in the Christmas pageant. And I decided that she was hot and I wanted to play Joseph and, uh, I got the role and I guess the rest is history there. I don't know where she is anymore. She did not date me. Um, it, that, that, that ended as, as fast as it might began in my little brain, but yeah, it's, uh, that's what started it. Uh, it was all because of a woman. All because, isn't it always because of a woman? Well, yeah. Or because of a man, depending on your, you know, orientation but yeah it's normally because you want to impress somebody else and uh that's kind of how my started and uh again her name was uh, mary walsh so mary if you're out there uh sorry uh i'm taken so but uh but yeah that's, that's how that happened so you waited for her at the manger and she never showed up and yeah exactly yeah well, it was funny because at, uh, i was the only one who knew all of my lines to be completely honest, I, I took it very seriously. I guess like a lot of nine-year-olds don't memorize their lines, and I memorized all of my lines. Everyone else had like little pieces of paper on set or on, on the stage with them that they were looking at. And the funny thing is I had this huge like scroll that I was supposed to read off of that was sent to Joseph, like, you cannot stay at the inn or whatever. And I could have wrote all of my lines on there, and I didn't. So that kind of makes me the the dumb the dummy of the whole entire because I didn't I actually memorized everything. <laughs> okay, so this brush with stardom. What did it? What else did it lead to afterward? Uh, after that, I did stage. I did stage for my a lot. I did. Uh, I, I've done King Lear. I've acted all over Vermont, uh, New York, Massachusetts, uh, Virginia, a couple things, and then of course here in Texas as well. Uh, but I've done everything from 
uh, musical theater. I was uh, a Frederick and Pirates of Penzance at one point in time. I was in Gypsy, uh, all the way up to things like uh, The Normal Heart, which is a, a, a play that was recently made into a movie by Barbara Streisand, was starring Mark Ruffalo. I wasn't in that one, unfortunately. I guess I'm just not good enough for Barbara. Uh, but uh, I did that, uh, some politically charged things like that. I did um, Crimes of the Heart, uh, which is like a Southern love story thing. Uh, I've done, you know, like I said, Shakespeare, just about everything. I've, I've done everything on stage. I think that's possible, um, except for Rent. That came after me. I was done. I, I can't sing that well. So, so yeah, I didn't end up in – I've never done a revival of Rent. But, yeah, I did all just stage until about three years ago. And then three years ago, uh, a friend of mine who actually um, was the stand-in for John Goodman for a number of years – uh, said, hey, you know, you're pretty good at this. He was actually running a theater that I was doing shows at. And he said, hey, you're, you're pretty good at this. You know, have you ever thought of doing it professionally? And I did, like when I was like in my 20s, like many moons ago, I sent out all my headshots and resumes. I went to like a Barnes and Noble that back then. Actually, it was a Walden Books. For all of you old, old people, Walden Books is the pre-Barnes and Noble, Okay. So I went to a Walden Books and I bought a big thick book that said all the casting directors and agents in the United States of America. And I literally page 175 pages worth of people all over the country. And I sent out my headshot and resume to every single person in that book and got nothing, nada, zip. And then I decided, well, maybe, maybe I should do something else because, uh, so I did, I did something else for a while. But he said, you know, well, you should try this. You know, you should try doing it professionally. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? I'm 40-something. I'm There's no – I'm done. I'm over with. And he said, well, Morgan Freeman didn't get his first start leading role until he was 50. I said, but Morgan Freeman was on the electric company. So that, I don't have that in my, in, in my resume. And uh, I went out and I submitted for a role for a film, a student film, shot that got the part in that. And then I just kept getting role after role, done some TV, done some actual films. Uh, and now I'm making my own. Now you said when you were doing some TV, you were telling me earlier that you did a UFO. <laughs> there is a, a television show. It's on the travel channel, I believe called UFOs, the undiscovered evidence. And uh, I did a role as I guess the guy, I can't remember the guy's name that escapes me right now. But I, uh, I, I played the role. It's on my IMDb. Look it up there. I can't remember it. Um, but uh, he was the first person who ever coined the term flying saucer or UFO. Flying saucer, I think, is, 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 the, is the term he coined. And shot it literally inside of a hangar of uh, uh, the, the Texas National Guard. They have a hangar out here in Austin. And they had like a wind machine blowing at me. They had fog blowing at me. And I'm inside a Cessna. And people are just like shaking the wings the whole entire time to make it look like the plane is rocking. Like I'm slowly rocking. I'm looking out. You know, I'm tapping my instrument panel. And these guys are shaking the thing back and forth. And I was like, this is going to look stupid. I finally watched it. And I was like, wow, it looks like I'm actually flying a plane. That, that's wow. Okay. So that's how that works. But yeah, they just like shook the plane for like 10, 15 minutes while they discussed my character. No lines, just me looking very intently at, at, a, at a saucer flying through the air. Hey, you know, stardom takes a, an odd road sometimes, right? Yeah, you, you start somewhere. I started as the guy who first saw UFOs. You start 
you know, wherever. You know, I started as a guy in a hanger. Why do you think it's so hard to get into the business nowadays as opposed to maybe like 30, 40 years ago? <clears throat> I actually don't think it's harder to get into the business. I think it's harder to get paid to be okay. in the business now. And, and, and so, so you've got a, you've got a flip side to this now going on. Like back in the day, you got paid really, really well, you know, so there were so, there were so few people who could even try to make a living at it because there were so few platforms, so few studios that you could actually work at. Now, everybody has a streaming platform. Everybody has a show idea. Everybody has a YouTube channel. I mean, I have a YouTube channel with 10,000 followers. I don't even know what they follow. I, because literally, I, I basically put, put dumb stuff up there all the time. You know, just me ranting about something or I'll put, a, I'll put like an audition clip of something I did. And I'm like, you people are following this, this, that you have no lives or what, but that's the flip side is, but I don't get paid. A lot of, a lot of actors right now don't get paid because they're trying to break into paying uh, gigs. So I think more actors can, can actually uh, ply their craft more readily now but I don't think they get paid because there's such a plethora of people who are just like, I want to act. I want to act. And the crazy thing, I actually talked to a girl. She was on game of Thrones. I had no idea she was on game of Thrones when I talked to her. Uh, but I was, she was a lead in a movie and I was an extra in this movie. And I was just sitting down at the, the table. And I was, I was eating. She happened to sit next to me. So uh, I, I, and I, I noticed that she was, you know, the lead. I'm like, I, and I didn't realize that she wasn't, from America at first because she was using an American accent the whole entire time. I'm like, oh, you're from England. You know, she's like, oh yes, I'm from England. Yes. That's right. And I'm like, you know, you guys just beat the crap out of us in acting. You know that because you take it seriously. You take it as a, as a craft. And a lot of people over here take it as just a way to make money, you know, or, or a way to, or a way to get rich or a way to get famous. And you guys take it as an actual craft. So like I said, take the, take the show game of Thrones. The only American on there is Peter Dinklage said so everyone else is, is English and they're just kicking the crap out of all of us American actors. She goes, Oh yeah. And then like three weeks later watching game of Thrones, I'm like, Oh my God. I just talked about game of Thrones to a girl on game of Thrones about game of Thrones. I am an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a different take on it over here, I think. And again, people can, can get seen a lot easier now. Uh, I don't think it's harder to, to act, I think it's harder to get paid to act now because of so many people are willing to act for nothing, you know, to, to get exposure. Um, and I, I mean, and, and we all start out that way. I'm not saying anything bad against people who act for free. I'm not, you know, Hey, everybody starts out that way. I started out that way, but there comes a point where you've got to go like, look, okay, I can't pay my rent and exposure bucks. I, I, I can't pay my mortgage in IMDB credit. Uh, and pizza on set will only get me so far as my meal on set, you know, a, a, a pepperoni pizza. So I think it's a little bit uh, harder now to get paid work because there are so many people who are willing to do it unpaid. Uh, and I'm not talking about big paychecks. I'm talking about I've been on some feature films, you know, for first starting out people. But then I noticed that the same person is doing like the third or fourth feature film and are still not paying people. And actors are accepting that. So it's easier to get seen, harder to get paid now.
Do you have any particular memorable stories from when any of the movies or TVs that you've done, apart from the being in an alien? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this one film that should be should be coming out. I think this year. It's called Breaking the Loop, and uh, I played a, a a cop, a cop of sorts, and he was not a nice cop. He's a very very bad cop. Um, long story short, uh, but uh, I was on set for four days. And I, I, I get shot up and beat up and bloodied and I was getting bloody. So I had seen the last day, like, Oh, the last day I don't get to, I don't have to be bloody. This is like my actual talking scenes and whatnot. Great. Awesome. I'm going to get to not be covered in, in goop and, and gore and guts and whatnot. So we're, we're getting towards the end of the day. And all of a sudden, Joel, Joel Moody, who was the director and the writer, he goes, hey, you know what? We forgot to do this one scene the other three days where you get dragged through your own blood. Um, uh, uh, we forgot that. So uh, so we got to shoot that scene. We're just going to do some woods over here. We're going to use those as the woods that we were at. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to shoot that. I said, Joel, are you telling me now that I have to be covered in gore every single day that I have been on set for your whole entire movie? He's like, is this your last day? I'm like, yes, Joel, this is my last day. I'm like, yeah, so you're going to be covered in blood for your whole entire shoot, the whole entire time you're here. So I'm like, great, perfect, not a problem. So I had gotten used to the blood. And if those, here's how you make the sausage. The blood is not even blood. It's not, basically, it's Cairo syrup, uh, laundry detergent, and dye. Okay, so that's normally what fake blood and gore is made out of. Well, they had run out of Cairo syrup. This is how bloody my character gets. They had run out of Cairo syrup. Okay. So they lay me on the tarp and I, and it's hot. It's Texas. It's like 101 in the shade. Okay. So it's very hot. And I'm like, what do I smell? Cause normally Cairo syrup, you can't smell anything. You, you, you can't, you can't smell at all. I'm like, they had run out of care. They were using actual maple syrup. So I got dragged through maple syrup with food dye and detergent in it. And I, 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 when I got up, my hair was like just stuck up in the air because it was, it, was, it was that hot out. And I was like, dude, this is not K-Roll syrup. He was like, yeah, we ran out of K-Roll syrup. We've been using Mrs. Butterworth for this. So this is, uh, this is the Mrs. Butterworth blood scene. I was like, great, great. If I get stung on the way home, I'm kicking your ass. I'm I, <laughs> So I guess he really gave new meaning to the term flat as a pancake then. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. And, I, and, and the cool thing is, here's actually the funny part of that, is that I was getting dragged through it and my eyes are wide open, so they have to stay open the whole entire time. And a fly, like, landed on my mouth, and, and, and I didn't move or anything, and he said, that's the shot right there. That is the shot. He's like, you didn't move. The fly landed there, and you just, it, it, that's the shot right there. That's, we're done. We're done for the day. I was like, great. Are they going to give Mrs. Butterworth a credit for that? Or? They should. They should give whoever is uh, Mrs. Butterworth. Uh, please uh, sponsor my movie. Uh, but, but Mrs. Butterworth should definitely get some kind of credit for that because I don't know if the fly was stuck there or if it just landed there and it flew off or whatnot. But yeah, Mrs. I smelled, you know, so nice going home. I mean, I just, I, I smelled like sweetness. You know, and the, actually, here's the funnier part of that. I stopped at a gas station on the way home, and uh, I had forgotten 
that I didn't get all, I guess, the blood off of my face. So I had stopped to buy a pack of cigarettes. And uh, I look at the person. I'm like, yeah, I need a, I need, I need a couple packs of cigarettes. And the woman's just looking at me with her, her eyes are wide. Like they're huge, <laughs> like, like saucers. And I'm like, oh, what is her problem? What, what's, do I, do I have some of my teeth? You know, and I, I'm like, whatever. And I go out to the car and I happen to look in the rearview mirror and I see there are little like red blood flecks all over my face. And I was like, oh, she, she thought I just killed someone and picked up some cigarettes and left. So I was expecting to get pulled over, but it didn't happen. I guess in some places that's just another day at work, right? Yeah, another day at work. Like if this had been like, like downtown Detroit, I'm sure they would have been like, yeah, man, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. It's been, it's been like, you know, lower lower east side of, of, of uh, New York City. They've been like, hey, it's not a problem. Why? Yeah. Wait. Hey, you got a little smooch there. You got some smooch on your face. Dude, when you're done whacking somebody, you need to you need to wipe. All right. You need to wipe because Cops are going to catch that, all right? So, uh, hey, that's my tip for the day. You have a good one. You know? Let's uh, talk about the movie that you are trying to get together with yes. the funding and Chance and Circumstance. Yes. So uh, Chance and Circumstance came about for me um, doing three Westerns in the past year. I did three Westerns. I did one called Bible of Wolves, one called Showdown in the Brazos, and another one called The Slocum Massacre. Uh, I did th those three films. They were all like period, period pieces of the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. And um, I just got the brainchild. For, I had an idea for this because my grandfather loved Westerns. I used to watch Westerns with him all the time. So, I mean, everything. He read Louis L'Amour books. He did all that stuff. Like he loved all of that, like Rio Grande, uh, The Shootist, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, uh, Paint Your Wagon, which, which is Clint Eastwood singing. If you ever get a chance to watch that, just for the hilarity of Clint Eastwood trying to sing, you need to watch it because Dirty Harry singing is just something that you will never get out of your head. So <laughs> I, I had watched all of these with my grandfather and he just had a love of the West. And uh, I kind of looked at some of the stuff that was going on today and I was like, well, what would happen if what would happen today happened in the west but you know we some we had some cooler heads going on at the time and basically it's about two west point graduates this is a reconstruction era which not a lot of reconstruction era uh westerns have been made normally it happens you know during the civil war before the civil war or way far after the civil war normally there's not a lot of reconstructionist stuff going on there so mine deals with these these two ex-west point graduates uh the war is over and they fought on opposite sides of the war during the war and they come back together during the reconstruction part of the South and they're fine with it. They're everything's fine for them. They're it's like water under the bridge. You shot at me. I shot at you, but it's over done. We're cool. You survived. I survived. Yay. Okay. Um, but some people don't see it that way. It's not over for them. And basically the, the log line is in their present, they have to face their past. If they're going to have a future, it's really timely. I think, especially for what's going on now, and the characters are just, they just spoke to me. And uh, we're trying to get funding for it. We, we, I figured out how I could do the whole entire film for $60,000. And even if I have to sell a kidney, I'm, I'm making this movie. Because I have an Indiegogo campaign right now. We've we got 11 days left, uh, 10 days left, actually. Um, and we're at $10,000 uh, of the 60. So we're one-sixth of the way there. 
So I just may have to either cut out some scenes because we're making it no matter what. I may have to cut out some scenes or do something, but but I want to hit that sixty grand. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll figure out a way if I have to. Um, if I have to sell one of my 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 kidneys, like I said, I I have six daughters, you know, and I can you know start renting them out to do manual labor around people's houses if I have to. I'll I'll, I'll do that. I don't care. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it's really timely. It won a bunch of awards on the wild. A bunch of film festival award for best first time screenwriter best faith-based i won the austin spotlight film festival uh for for most uh innovative concept uh i won uh the los angeles film awards honorable mention uh for first time screenwriter and i won the big apple cinema uh i was a, a, a semi-finalist no a finalist i'm sorry a finalist in that one so it's won a, a bunch of awards and people really like it um, and I sent it off to some of my friends that I had questions with before. I'm like, dude, you've got to make this. You have to make this. So we're making it. We're, we're, and it's going to be all done here in Texas. It is independent. There are no studios involved. Um, and we're, we're doing it all on our own. Uh, I'm doing all myself, Dean uh, Christensen, who was on one of the Westerns I did called Sunbreak. Uh, he's my executive producer. And we're just beating the pounding the pavement, trying to get people to even donate $2, $5. We don't get, that's how we're basically Bernie Sandering this thing into creation. You know, we're taking $2, $5, $7 donations, you know, come wash our car. We don't care. That's kind of how we're putting it together. And like I said, we're in, in 20 days, we've raised 10 grand. Um, but we, we, we need more. So, uh, uh, that phase two will start. If I don't hit the 60, then I start leveraging body parts. Don't leverage too many because I make riding the horse a little bit tricky. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got to keep an eye on that. Which ones? And I mean, I can always say, you know, th this is like an IOU. Like after I'm done with this production, I owe you a finger, you know, or I owe you a leg, you know. So I at least get this made, and then the next one, I guess, is about how my, my, because I'm, I'm also, I wrote it and I'm, I'm, I'm in it. You know, uh, I'm gonna write a movie. You might as well write a part for yourself, right? Um, uh, and what I'll do, what I'll do is in the next one, I'll just make my character have, you know, lost a leg somewhere along the line, or, you know, he lost an eyeball. He's got an eye patch now, whatever I got to do, you know, and that could be, you know, the next movie, like what happened? Uh, well, I, you know, things got tough and I had to sell, uh, my eyeball. You, you actually raise an interesting point. So what is harder writing a character or portraying the character that you've written? Wow. Uh, I think. I think it's not, it's not harder to write a character for myself. It's harder to write the characters around me. So I think as a writer, if you're writing for yourself, which I happen to have done on this one, I, I definitely knew the character I wanted to play. And basically the whole entire film started as uh, two civil war veterans having a PTSD discussion about how they were having post-traumatic stress disorder after the war. And, uh, and I wrote that just little scene. I knew which kind of character I wanted to play in that scene. And then uh, I said, well, well, what happens before this, though? You know, so I kind of went back to the beginning and hit the insert key and just started, da -da 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 -da, just started clacking away. And I was like, okay, well, this is what happens up to that scene. But that's not the end. I mean, the, the PTSD discussion is not the end of the movie. What's the end? So I just started writing the end. And in 48 hours, I had a 110-page script. So I was like, okay, well, 
I'm like, I get my character. Actually, I had to pass it by some people. I'm like, look, I want to make sure I know what character is written really well. My character, the one that I wanted to play. <laughs> I need you guys to look at the other characters and, and see if it makes sense. Or did I just give them like crap lines so that they make me look good? You know, and they were like, no, 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 you wrote it. But so I think it's, it's not hard to play a part that you wrote for yourself. I think it's harder to play somebody else's part. Uh, that they wrote if they wrote something for you or, or they like uh, a case in point would be on on sunbreak uh sunbreak i played a, a character by the name of dead eye and uh he was he's not a nice person um obviously the name dead eye makes him kind of not a nice person uh but i came up with a backstory that they hadn't written for the character because they they kind of didn't know but they knew what they wanted him to do in these three or four scenes and it was up to me to write that backstory for that character, but it had to fit with what the writer wanted to get across. So it's harder, I think, as an actor to do that because you want to make sure that you're being true to the character that the person wrote uh, and make sure that, that you understand if they had a backstory, that's the backstory you've got to, you've got to use, you know? Um, so it's a little harder there. Like I know my character's backstory because I created it in my mind, you know, the, the, the one for my movie, I created that character's backstory. I know what his backstory is. Um, so I think it's easier to play my own character, but I think it's more fun, in my opinion, to actually play other people's characters because that's where the creative process really happens. Like, I try this. They're like, no, I tried a little bit differently. You know, no, how about this? You know, and you find out little things as you're going that even sometimes the writer or director will be like, I didn't even see that scene that way, but wow. Just that that came out incredible, but that's not even how I pictured it in my head, you know. So I, I think it's more fun, like I said, to 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 do stuff that other people have written. Yeah, you get uh, to bring your own stuff to the table. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here I know what I want, and then and then I have to divest myself on this one too because I'm in it, so I'm not directing myself. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not directing. I actually have someone directing me on screen, um, because I, I you know. I might think it looks good, but again, if I have a director look at me like, yeah, that just didn't come off across. That didn't come across right. Well, it felt right. Now it wasn't though. The camera says it's not right. So we got to do it again. So I don't, I'm not directing myself. So I think that to be completely honest, actors who do that direct themselves, that's hard. That's hard work. You know, if you're on screen and directing yourself and then going back and looking at the dailies and what, that's hard work. I don't want to work that hard. Uh, <laughs> I want I want someone else to, to push my buttons. Let me throw a couple of quick questions at you. Shoot. Now you said you're a big fan of westerns. Do you have a personal favorite western? My favorite western, and this is going to be sound so hokey, is actually my favorite western. To be completely honest, is uh, uh, the Seven Samurai because that was the beginning for the Magnificent Seven. So all the Kurosawa stuff. God, I mean, even though it's 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 Japanese technically. The, those were the basis for so many Westerns. So I really love Kurosawa stuff. So anything that's inspired by Kurosawa, like the Magnificent Seven, not the new version, the original version with Yul Brenner, you know, not Yul Brenner, you know, talking like the King and the King and I, but Yul Brenner being this badass guy with a ball. And, and that's, I love that movie. Um, and everyone's going to say the good and the bad and the ugly. I'm not, although I love that movie. It is a great movie. My favorite Western in that, era is actually uh the outlaw josie wales love that western if you're talking about the typical westerns my my 
favorite Western of today's era? I love Unforgiven. Unforgiven is a phenomenal movie. It is incredible. How do you feel about Tombstone? I I liked Tombstone. I think it was too Hollywood, a little bit too Hollywood in my opinion, although Val Kilmer was hands down the best Doc Holliday ever on the face of the earth, bar none. There, There will never be as good a Doc Holliday as Val Kilmer pulled off in, in Tombstone. Uh, but there were things, and, and here's the difference between kind of like my, my film and like uh, Tombstone, is that I'm also going for a lot of historical accuracy in my, uh, in my film. Like there are certain different saddles that different people rode. I'm like, not all people had those big horns on the saddles. They were McCullough saddles. McCullough saddles didn't have a horn. So there, so there's a, there was kind of a mix and amalgam. The tie downs that everybody sees, you know, whenever the, the, the guy's got the holster tied down to his leg, that's crap. That, that never, that didn't happen really. That, I mean, that, there's a Hollywood invention, you know? So, I mean, that, those are the things that we're going for that, you know, this looks right. That looks right. Because to me, as someone who loves Westerns and loves reading about the West itself, when I see something like that, it pulls me right out of a movie. I'm like, entirely, that's not, that's not accurate. And, and then like if a, 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 a the commanding officers riding a big black steed into battle. No, they were great char. They rode great chargers. I mean, big black Arabians, you know, uh, uh, didn't didn't really uh, uh, weren't really around back then. The horses were expensive, you know. <laughs> you know, so so those are the kind of things that we're going for in ours that are that are a little bit different, I think, than things like Tombstone. But again, don't get me wrong, love Tombstone. Love like, like I said, the Doc Holiday lines are great. You know, even the Wyatt Earp lines, you know, skin that smoke wagon. I, 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 I love lines like that. But, you know, uh, m- mine's a little bit different than that. Mine's, mine's, mine's got a, a message hidden in everything that's done inside of the movie. And I think that's what I love about mine. And there were some Westerns that had those messages, but I'm kind of bringing that really to fruition. Some of like the good and the bad and the ugly had a huge message to it. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid had a huge message to it. You know, mine has a huge message to it, but mine's hidden a little bit more. But when you, it comes out, you're like, oh, wow. Well, I've been watching this the whole entire time, and I had no idea we were going here. <laughs> All right, yeah. how, about, how about this? Uh, is there any actor that you would have loved to work with, any, you know, living or dead at any particular time? Wow. Actor I would have loved to have worked with. I, <sighs> I would have loved to work with Robin Williams, to be completely honest. I, I, I would have loved to, because you want to talk about a guy who had range. I mean, this is a guy who went, you know, even after he was, you know, off the drugs and whatnot, could go on a stage for an hour to an hour and a half with absolutely no prepared material at all and just go 900 miles a minute, okay, uh, firing on all cylinders the whole entire time. And then he could do things like Goodwill Hunting or he could do things like The Fisher King. Or you could do like a uh, um, um, one-hour photo. That is range. That I mean, I would have loved to have acted. If you want to go with people who are past, people who are current today, that I would love to act with. And I mean, I probably never get to act with him now because he's retired. But Daniel Day Lewis, oh, you want to talk about a guy who can act? I mean, that's just again nothing he can't do. He doesn't do comedy though. He's all drama all the time. You know, so that, that, that's, but, but man, can he bring it home when he needs to, or needed to, I guess. I mean, he's in retirement, but is he ever really in retirement? You know, I mean, 
I'm sure someone came along and said, because I think, I guess, and this is the funny thing, he's a cobbler in Italy right now. The, uh, I think a three-time Academy Award-winning actor, all right, and he's decided to give it all up to make shoes. <laughs> I, okay, I, I guess that that's what you want to do, but I guarantee you if someone came along to him into his shoe store and said, Mr. Lewis, we have a really, really great role for you, I guarantee you he'd, he'd probably come out of retirement. It was good enough. I think that would be kind of odd to walk into a store and go, listen, I need a moccasin fix. And hey, weren't you in my left foot? <laughs> weren't you in my left foot? <laughs> weren't you in my left foot? Wait, hey, wait a minute. Wait, weren't you in Gangs of New York? Wait a that This is, what? You look just like that Daniel Day-Lewis guy. <laughs> you must get a lot of that. Hey, you look like a Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, and he's like, ah, uh, yeah, uh, but I'll be some, uh, say some more, yeah. No, I, yeah, because uh, I am. <laughs> now, do you okay. want me to put the soul back on this shoe, or do you want me to uh, talk about Hollywood? Which do you want me to do? <laughs> Yeah. You gave me your right shoe, not your left shoe. So we yeah, exactly. Yeah, I bet, bet he hears that all the time <laughs> as a cobbler. <laughs> oh, is this the one for the left foot? <laughs> if there was a movie that you wanted to put yourself into, like just replace an actor, not if, if, that their performance was bad, but the movie that you would want to be in, what would be your dream role? <sighs> my dream role is Han Solo in uh, Star Wars. Uh, that is my dream role. That is the character that I admire the most in anything that is ever written ever. By the way, Star Wars also the Fortress, a Kurosawa movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Han Solo is, you know, not. Uh, hey, Harrison Ford is friggin' Han Solo. End of story. But that is the role that I believe I was born for. I was just born too late. I was okay. born way too late. You want to give me a? I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> and it's in every, and, and it depends on who you're doing. Like, uh, I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, I have a bad feeling about that. I mean, er, everyone has a different iteration. And even R2 says it, I swear, even though it's in like, there's a, 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 you know, he said it. You know that there's somewhere in some mock up movie, there's a, 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 what is it, a subtitle of Archer saying, I have a bad feeling about this. Like, it's goes, beep, boop, beep, boop. I have a bad feeling about this. Beep, boop, beep, boop. My favorite line of his action, I even have bad feelings, but my favorite line is, I know, <laughs> from, from Empire Strikes Back, because that was not supposed to be what the line was. He improved that at, the, at Kasdan's request, and, and Lucas threw up a hissy fit. He was mad. He was like, this is a love story. This is supposed to be the, the big... And the guy's like, no, dude, this is going to play. Trust me. With the way the rest of this movie's going, this is going to play. And it's like the bet. I love you. I know. And the Star Wars board, right? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And the Star Wars was born. I won't ask you about podcasts because you said that you hate your what your voice sounds like on a podcast. So you won't be hearing this then, right? No, I won't. I will not listen to this at all. I will have my friends say, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> and I will go, I said, what? They're like, you don't remember? I'm like, no, it comes out and then it's gone. It's, it's, it's gone. It's like a fire and forget thing. You know, it's like a, it's like an ICBM. I just let it out there. It either lands or it doesn't. And then I go on to the next. Okay. So I won't have to have my lawyer, Dirty Louie, write up a transcript for you or anything like that. No, 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 not at all. No, no. Vinny, okay. Dirty Louie, is your lawyer's real name Dirty Louie? Because I grew up like in New York and I had friends like Vinny the Fish, Squalia, you know, and you know, uh, Louie left, left, lung, left Lung Lopez, you know, I, I had people like that. 
we were talking about Mr. Bruce, my voiceover guy. So I was wondering if, if you were an Australian voiceover guy, if you could say, you're listening to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. You're listening to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Good day. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I have a backup for Mr. Bruce. Just in there case. you go. Yep. Let's throw another podcast on the barbie, shall we? <laughs> Patrick, we have this portion of the show and it's called Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-Promotion. Okay. And this is where you can let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you. Great. Go ahead. Oh, it's now. Sorry. Okay, so here's how you can get in touch with me. You can go to at Chance and Circumstance Film on Facebook. I'm there. You can go to my IMDb, Patrick Lascarbo. I'm on IMDb, and uh, you can get a hold of me through there. My agent is the Boysen Agency. They have a link there on my IMDb as well. I have my own personal Facebook page, which is Patrick Lascarbo. Wow. That's real. That's real new. Uh, it's so innovative. Uh, and then I have a YouTube channel, uh, which is, oh, here we go. Ready? Patrick Lascarbo again. So uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's got about 10,000 and I post stuff on there. Um, probably you'll look at it for three and a half seconds and go like, this guy's an idiot, but that's fine. Um, I have that. Then I have um, uh, a Twitter account, which I don't know why, because I barely use it. Uh, uh, but it's a uh, Patrick E.L. 33. That's me on, on Twitter. Um, and then, Oh, I have Instagram again, a thing that I basically hand off to my daughter and say, can you post something? Cause I don't know how this works. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Patrick underscore Lascarbo again. Wow. How cool. And then there's actually an Instagram for chance and circumstance, the movie as well. Um, it's called chance underscore circumstance. Whoa, big one there. And then, like I said, we have the Indiegogo, uh, link. If you go to Indiegogo and type in Chance and Circumstance, we pop right up there as well. Uh, so those are all the ways you can get a hold of me. I'd give you my phone number, but my wife will kill me. We've been talking to a man who clearly has the market cornered on Patrick Lascarbo. Yeah, yeah. There is that. I have that. That domain name is mine. It's mine. I dare you to try and get it. I dare you. And we're going to keep our eyes open for Chance and Circumstance, and hopefully that'll be in some theaters and it'll be something for all to enjoy. Oh, definitely. Like I said, we're, 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 it's getting made. Just, you know, don't know when. Okay. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Patrick Lascarbo, thank you so much for coming on down. My pleasure. You guys have a great night. Thanks a lot for listening to Too Many Podcasts the Sharper Screening Room edition. And an extra special thanks to our guest, Patrick Lascarbo. Keep an eye open for when Chance and Circumstance comes out. I'm sure it's going to be a really great movie. And you can follow this show on social media at Sharpolution or visit us at our website, www.sharpolution.com. You can also email me at jimthepodcastsherpa at gmail.com. We're going back to too many podcasts next week. We'll be hearing from one of your favorite podcasters. Hope you guys have a great week. And I'll bet Mr. Bruce can round up cattle like he can round up guests at the Sherpa Chalet. Care to demonstrate, Mr. Bruce? Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition. 
Viva la Chapalition! <coughs> oh. Yeah, I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs>